right, I want you to open up your Bibles, if you would, to John. We've been in the book of John for since the beginning of January. Now, what we're doing, if you're a guest with us, we're walking through the book of John this year, but ever so often, we just came off a couple week series, ever so often we'll jump into a different series for a few days, or a few weeks, rather, and then we'll jump back into John. And so today we're getting into John chapter 6, and I want us to stand to our feet as we honor God's Word. I always like to stand to our feet. And, um, and we're going to read John chapter 8. This is the, the story in regards to Jesus feeding the thousands on the hillside with the miraculous multiplication of a couple barley loaves and five fish. And so we're, let's get into this on, on verse 8. On one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? We know how the story goes up to this point. All these people have gathered. They're hungry. And it's one of those things where, where you know, they're asked to, to, to give food. Um, um, Jesus is talking to them about it and everything. Jesus kind of sets the disciples up, you know. And, and basically, long story short, there's this little guy that has these five loaves and two fish. And it's brought to Jesus. And Jesus is going to do something amazing with a little bit in his hands. And so we come up to this point. Jesus says, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And then Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Ooh, that sounds good. And so we're going to have you sit here in a second, but, but I always say this. Anytime through the last 30 years of ministry, I've come across this passage in a teaching, something always stands out to me. It's that he had them sit down before he fed them. And I think sometimes people will complain that they're not fed, and I always look at that and say, then sit down. Like, sit down with the Word of God. Sit down in a church. Sit down and, and, and draw close to Jesus. Listen to the Lord. Pray. You know, like, take some time to receive from the bread of life, from the one who can give you sustenance. And so they're sitting, and then he comes, and he makes little out of, much out of little in that moment, and he takes care of the whole group. Verse 13, so they gathered them. This is the leftovers. And they filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves. That was left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Go ahead and have your seat. Father, in the next few minutes, we just ask that not only would you stir us with your miraculous power that we might believe, but Lord God, you would show us who you are, the purpose, the reason for you coming, not just so that we would believe, but so that we could have life and know what it looks like to walk in the sustaining life that you bring to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so in this passage of scripture, we not only see in chapter six, one miracle, we actually see two miracles. We can see right after the feeding of 5,000, we see what happens. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat and they started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. 
But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Oh, my word. So these people begin to go. There's movement on the water, and it says they go three to four miles. And I always thought that meant three to four miles literally. I don't think so. How many ever been on water that is having some chop to it, having some movement to it, maybe some wind taking place? You are paddling. You want to go in a certain direction, and the, for the life of you, you can't go the direction you want to go. It just keeps keeps drifting you. So I don't know how far they got across literally, but for three to four miles, they have been traveling in this boat and they're undone with this. And then Jesus comes walking on the water. Jesus comes to bring peace as he gets in their boat. And then what blew my mind about this miracle is not only did he get in the boat, it says immediately they were on the other side of the water. It was like, oh my gosh, like a, a transportation Marvel comic kind of moment. This is an awesome miracle, amen? It's just like that, they're right there. But when it comes down to this, this whole chapter six, it's not just about miracles. It seems like it might be. And there's people in this room right now, you need a miracle, there's people here who have had miracles. I think miracles, signs, and wonders are amazing, amen? Have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever been a part of something? I can remember when I was a young boy at a, at a tent service. My dad was preaching at, I was playing bass. I was right here, and this woman was right there. And her eyes were as blue and opaque as they could be, cloudy with blindness. And she was an African-American woman. So that cloudy blue opaqueness really contrasted with her beautiful brown skin. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden they pray, and her eyes and her head begin to turn brown. That place went nuts. Not like this place. You people are quiet. I'm telling you, I'm being honest. But the, this woman got her eyesight. I mean, I was, I was about 14-year-old kid. I'm just like, come on. That place, people were running, shouting, jumping. But guess what? There were still people in that room that saw that miracle that didn't live for God another six months from then. Another year from then, two years from then. The sign, the miracle was powerful in that moment. It gave us something I believe Jesus can heal but the purpose of the book of John isn't just so that we believe. We have learned the purpose of the book of John is so that we believe and have life. And I don't believe that life is for a week. I don't believe that life is for six months, two years, two years, five years. I believe it's for, everybody say life. It's so that we can have life. And so the miracles that we read about are awesome, but that's really not the focus of this passage of Scripture. John 6 is more than that. It's not just, wow, look what God has done in the lives of people. And you'll see in a little bit, Jesus even kind of rebukes the people a little bit because of that. He wants them to believe, but he also, that twofold purpose of John, he wants them to walk in the life that he is offering. Not just to believe, but to walk. Even demons believe. How many believers do I have here? You're nervous to raise your hand. How many, how many demons? No, I'm teasing. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, but it says even demons believe, of course. I mean, but he wants us to know what it means to walk in what sustains us, who he is, not just what he does. I was with a man having coffee yesterday, and the man said the Lord is really beginning to reveal to him that he too often seeks what God can do and doesn't seek just who God is. Man, that convicted me because I agree. There's too many times I have sought his hand and not his face. I've sought the miracles so that I can believe more, but I'm not walking in the life that's more. I'm looking for my next bump. 
My next dopamine drop from Jesus. My next really, oh, they played my favorite worship song. It really got me going. Look at that bread. That's good bread. There's enough to fill a bunch of baskets full. I'm going to take that bread home. I'll get my 104.7, the fish. I'll get that playing. And, oh, man, I'm just getting my bread. I'm just... And so it's enough to believe. But sometimes we go through things where the bread ain't coming. The miracle's not on the way. It seems delayed. It seems way off. It seems like you're out in the water, and every time you paddle, you're further from the shore than when you started. Then what? He comes walking. But he's the solution. He's the one that we look to. And what's so neat about that is years later, all those ones that were walking with him, those disciples that were following, they were still following but one Judas. They were still going after the one. They had seen signs, miracles, and all those things, but it got to a point where it was Jesus that they wanted. It was the one that was the bread of life that they were seeking, not the one that brings forth miracle bread. And so there's two miracles here, but they're not the focus. Everything about these miracles point to the twofold purpose of the gospel of John, to believe in Jesus and that by believing to have and walk in life. Many will believe, but in their believing, they fail to look to Jesus as their sufficiency. And so the focus of this passage isn't that Jesus can provide miracle bread. It's that he is the bread of life. And I've served Jesus that way. It was, it's easy to serve Jesus when all the blessings are around us. Amen? I even grew up in kind of a theology that had that in its core. You know, you name, you claim. You blab, you grab, you call, you haul. If I could say it good enough and grunt a little in faith, I could get it. And I'm not making light of that. Guess what? I still do. I still pray the prayer of faith. I still believe. I still stand on the word. I still claim the promises of God. But I'm a lot better off now in the sense that I know when the promises aren't coming quick, I can hold on to his hand in that moment, not just look to his hand to see if it has something in it for me right now. It's okay if his hand's open right now and it's empty right now. It feels like that. It's all right. I had a situation just this morning where it feels very much like the provision God has for me is a long way off. But it's okay because I got to hear a song that said, he won't stop. It's okay because I know what the word says. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. I know it may not seem like the miracle is here. And that's okay because the bread of life is. And he's enough. And so I open, he opens his hand it seems empty. Sometimes he opens his hand, it seems empty, and we just, we go on. Grab a hold of that hand, because he is the miracle. He is the one. He is the bread of life. See, a miracle of bread will sustain you for a day. But Jesus, when you have daily consumption of the bread of life, he will sustain you for a lifetime. That's why in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. And here's the thing I love about John. He's going to go into, over the next few, probably a couple months it'll take us, we're going to weave in and out. There's seven declarations that point to the purpose and who the nature of Jesus is, who he is, all through the, these next few chapters of John. And, and they call him the seven I am's. And he declares who he is by saying, I am, and then he gives a metaphor. And so in this metaphor, I am the bread of life. 
And as I think about the bread of life, as we've talked about up to this point, we can see that bread is something that sustains us. That's part of the reason why it's a metaphor. It is a staple in people's diets. How many carb lovers do I have in the house? Come on. Yeah. Carbs come in so many glorious ways. <laughs> they do. They do. But when I think about bread, my mind doesn't just go to the fact that it is a staple. It's not just merely a staple that sustains us. For me, bread is a staple that always points to relationship. It just does for me. It points to relationship. I think the reason why is always growing up on Sunday mornings, mama, grandma, Bobby, she didn't come to church. Not that she was backslidden. She stayed home and she cooked for the family for Sunday dinner right after church. Now she came Sunday night. That's back when you went to church five times a week. You know, no wonder we didn't reach the unchurched. We never were around them. People are always asking me, like, why don't we have this service and that service and this service? I'm like, because we want to reach unchurched folk, you know? Go, go be a Boy Scout leader. Go, go coach a ball team. Okay. So, <laughs> but my mind goes back to those fond memories, those comfort food memories. And comfort food always has bread involved. It just does. And so at Grandma Bobby's house, you know, the, she's from Pikeville, Kentucky. And so comfort food was always hers and my mama's pinto beans and cornbread. You can't even say it right. You have to say pinto beans and cornbread because that's how mama says it, right? And so, man, big old hunk of cornbread and butter on it. And then you put it in the bowl. You got to put some pintos under it. And then because you got to make like a little pinto bean cornbread sandwich, you know, and the beans on top and some fresh onion. Can you shout somebody? <laughs> yeah, man. That's, but that's how that, you know, oh, and, and I tell you, I love what my grandmother would always say. She would say, don't you lay a knife on my bread. Don't you lay, don't lay a knife on it. You know, because, you know, you cut it into little pie pieces, right? A little pie shape. No, you don't. She said, if breaking bread is good enough for my Jesus, breaking bread's good enough for us. And I always thought that was the sweetest thing. She said a lot of cute stuff. You go to kiss her when you left. Bye, mama. And she said, now that fine sugar won't do. <laughs> you had to go give her a kiss. Oh, I love it. Hillbillies. Hillbillies. Love it. <laughs> Oh, man. So when it comes to the idea of bread, to me, it's always been something that links to comfort and something that links to relationship. And I really believe that that's the story we're seeing in all of six. I'm going to bring it all together. I really think it's more about relationship than a miracle. It's more about what we're invited into with Jesus than it is just what Jesus can do in a moment. It's what he can do in your life for a lifetime. So I want you to keep Two words in your mind as we read this next passage of Scripture. I want you to think the word, keep the word religion, and I want you to keep the word relationship. All right? Say religion, religion. and say relationship. relationship. So keep that in your mind, because before Jesus talked about the feeding of the 5,000, before that miracle is recorded, and before Jesus talked about being the bread of life, there's a passage right before John 6 that I think is pertinent. And we need to look at it before we go into explaining the rest of John 6. And it's John 5, verse 39 through 47. And it says this, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God 
within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so Jesus, man, he does a whole lot here. You have to remember that when I was sharing with you out of chapter 5 last week, I was telling you that this was the season of Passover in this passage of Scripture. Now, they didn't mention it as Passover, said the feast. But as you look into chapter 6, you start to realize this is the season of Passover. So it's not strange to me that he's speaking of Moses and that they're looking to Moses to point them to God. And, and it's not strange to me at all that he uses this. And then he goes in to talk about bread. It makes very much sense to me. And I want to point a couple things in this scripture. Verse 40. Remember I said, think about relationship. He says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Everything that we walk in as Jewish, everything that Jew, Jew, people as Jewish people walk in in those old days is leading up to looking at Jesus in Passover. I'll explain that in a second. And so, and it's beautiful and it's pointing people to Jesus. And now Jesus is here and he's inviting them into, say, relationship. Yeah, into relationship. Come, like, don't refuse to come to me. Come to me, because in me is life, is what he's saying. And then in verse 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another, but you don't seek the glory that comes from the Father? Well, Ross, what does that mean, that glory, that approval, that, 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 that honor that we receive from each other or those that we put honor on? And he's telling these people, you receive glory from those around you. And, and, and as I think about that, for them, it would have been they put their glory or they set their honor on their priests. They set their honor on the rabbis. They set their honor on performing various religious practices right. And those things were all pointing them to their need of Jesus. So I'm not con condemning that. I'm just saying it was a step toward relationship with Jesus. And so the 613 mitzvot that are to be followed, they're saying, he's, you're doing really good at those and you're satisfied and look how good I'm doing, Brett, at mine. And so I can look at your, your mitzvot and look how well you're doing that and you are righteous and I can look at yours, you know, mitzvot and say, look how righteous you are. You know, that's glory being shared amongst us. But no, Jesus is going, look to the glory that has come from God. It's me. It's not a thing, it's not a duty, it's not a practice, it's not religion, it's a person. It's a walking, everyday, living relationship with a person. And so Jesus, he is taking them in this moment from a place where their focus was on religious stuff and trying to get them into relational stuff. But I love it that he chooses, such a brilliant teacher, he chooses to, to go into this line of teaching and even the line of the miracle at the time of Passover, at the time when those comfort memories would be all around, at the time when families would gather in their home. Here in a, in a couple weeks, we'll have a family Seder at our house, and we'll gather and, and have the kids in, and, and um, Grant's so cute. He asked a couple days ago, do I need to bring my yarmulke, you know, and he's just so sweet, and, and, and so I said, yes. No, I didn't say that, but there, last year, she did charcuterie board cracked me up. We had Seder with a charcuterie board. That was a little different, you know. But we'll come together and there's comfort and there's memories and all those things. It was the same way with these families. 
For years and years and years, they would be together and remembering what God did through that Passover. And it's just something that's so powerful. And so Jesus, in that moment, he does this. See, in John 6, this miracle of epic proportion, he draws on what's familiar to every Jewish person listening that day in such a way that he is going to take where they are and move them further and deeper into a relationship with him if they'll let him. And so John 6, verse 1 through 5, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. This is when, the, the, we've already talked about the, the, the feeding of 5,000. This is the beginning of John 6. And a large crowd was following him because they saw signs that he was doing to this, what he was doing to the sick. Now watch, verse 3. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? And, and I don't know. I, it doesn't say this. And I know it's barley loaves, so it's not matzah, you know, so I know it sounds like it would probably be leavened, but in my mind, I'm reading this thinking, I wonder if in that moment, these people, man, they're not going back to their homes for Passover that night. It says the Passover is at hand. There's two dinners for Passover, the first night and the second night. And I I don't know, maybe this was the first night, second night, I don't know. It just says it's at hand. I feel like it's probably the first night. And they're not going. They want to stay there. And so he's like, we're going to feed them, you know. There's no place to buy stuff. He's setting them up to increase their faith, to be able to believe, to to find what God's going to do in this moment, to create a miracle. There's nothing wrong with miracles. They're awesome. But where do they lead you? And he's setting them up to lead them to deeper teaching that's going to reveal who he really is. And isn't that what Passover is? It's deeper teaching that begins, if you look at it, to reveal who Jesus is. And so he's setting them up for this. And actually, I do want to give you a little announcement. On April 15th, Good Friday, that evening, um, from 6.30 to I think it's 8.45, we are doing a Seder here at the church. My friend Marie Tillis from Light of Messiah Ministry, he's been ministering um, to Jewish people and Jewish believers for 30 years, no, 40 years, 40 years. And so he'll be hosting the Seder here, and we have about 88 seats is all. So it'll sell out quick. It's just enough money to cover the cost of the, of the event or the food. And so um, you can go online and sign up for that. We will stop that sign up for our people I think it's about a week and a half or a couple weeks from now. But we're also going to allow others to sign up from other churches. So it'll be a a full event. So please, if you want to come, come. It's really neat as you see those different elements pointing to who Jesus is from a meal that's been taking place for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. All right? So let's talk about that. So they're there for this, this, this time. There's no bread. And so it would make sense that there's a season of, or a time of heightened awareness to their history as a people at this time as Jesus is ministering. They're there because of, of that Passover. That's why they had all joined. Last chapter we saw that. They were all there in the city because of that. Now they've went out of the city up to a mountain and they followed Jesus. And so it makes sense that Jesus would tie this miracle uh, to healing for bread and that he would tie that to a message of who he is. It just, it all makes sense to me in this. And so the origin of their history is tied to relationship. I think through this whole miracle of providing bread, Jesus is drawing on some comfort food memories to take them deeper and closer to the purpose of who he is. You remember what it was like to be with family, to have relationship, to share in remembering what I had done through that Seder meal, remembering back 
to what I had done, what God had done to bring them into deliverance from Egypt. And that's what the Passover is. It's a celebration of deliverance from Egypt. And annually, families would get together and do that. Let me ask you, how many here has ever had a Seder meal? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people. Okay. And so families will do this annually. And Exodus 6.1 it says this, this is, this is what, what the Lord had said. Listen, he says, I will take you to be my people. This is what Moses was supposed to tell the Jewish people that were in bondage. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I am the Lord. And so this word is given forth. And then you know the plagues come. You know they set the captives free. What's so neat is in Passover, there's a celebration of four cups. There's actually fifth you don't partake of. But in the four cups you do partake of, there's four statements that <coughs> are known. And those four statements are all relational. In Exodus, and when, when, when God says, he says, I will deliver you. I will save you. I will redeem you, and I will take you as a nation. I will deliver you. I will save you. I will redeem you, and I will take you as a nation. And each of the four cups that you partake of through Seder walks through each of those. And so in light of this, we can see that, that the thousand on a hillside being he, he, um, provided for by a miracle is powerful, but the true focus of Passover takes the bread is about Jesus taking the, the, I'm sorry, the true focus of that passage is about Jesus taking that bread like a father. To me, is how I see it, at the table, blessing the bread for Passover. And then God doing this miracle to bless everybody. The Bible even tells us that he takes the bread and he breaks the bread and then he gives the bread. You know, they would hold the bread up. Baruch Elohenu melech haolam. Everybody say, amen. Yeah. And, I, and what a powerful statement as he blesses the bread. He says this. This is in English. Blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Bless, and Jesus blesses the bread like a father would and begins to pass this bread. And it begins to take care of meeting all the needs. And what's so neat about it is Lehem, that word, it means bread. Have you ever heard of a city called Bethlehem? Bethlehem? That is the house. Beth means house. House of bread. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The bread of life. Born in the house of bread. It's Jesus. Ha. Huh. And so after the blessing, Jesus, he blesses, and then he begins to distribute the bread, which becomes more than enough to feed. That's a great miracle. And then we go into the second miracle that takes place. And it's important. I want to read a few verses from that miracle of him, what happened with all was going on right after he, he had walked on the water and brought them in, in on the boat. It says, verse 24, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them. I mean, remember that? He, like, he, he was there. You guys, I'm serious. It was like transport. You can tell I'm geeked out by this miracle. I just think that's the coolest thing. Gee, I need this miracle in my life. How many people, time deficient people need this miracle? Yes. Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You know, it's like, you're empty, you're hungry again, and now you want another little miracle. 
You're not seeking me even for the signs of the miracle. You're not seeking me for me. You just want to fill your belly again is what you didn't come for the word. You didn't come for teaching. You came just for a little pablum, just a little get me by, you know? So here's what he says in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. What kind of, what is that food? You ready for this? This is where the bread of life becomes what you, sustains you. It's not just the miracle. It's who he is. It says this. It says, the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. It's Jesus who becomes that bread of life. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Remember I told you about religion. Now we're going to talk, we see relationship. He wants this relationship, but watch this. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. I'm going to stop there. When you think of what must we do, that can become religious. That can speak of religion. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Can I do this right? Do I need to do that right? You know, I don't, I don't smoke, cuss, drink, or chew. I don't date girls who do. If I do, I'm sneaky. There's, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Sounds like religion, you know? No, it's not about what you're doing or not doing. It's about who you're walking through life with. It's about that sustaining relationship with the bread of life. And guess what? When you're walking with the bread of life and it's good, his goodness draws you to repentance. Does that make sense? His good, it's like, oh, this is good. Why would I eat that when I have this? This is so good. And so I'm going to turn from vegetables and I'm going to turn toward this big good loaf of bread. Why would I eat that? Because, no, I'm sorry. But it's that idea. It's like, I'm turning to, I'm turning, this is so good. And see what that is? That's relationship. It's not, what can I do? No, it's, who can I walk with? And this is so good. Why would I want anything else? He's inviting you into relationship, not religion. And I know that because it says, he says, then what are the works? This is the work of God, he says, that you believe in him who has sent, whom he has sent. So they said, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? They want, to, they want to know that little sign. They want to know that little thing. And I love this because they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so you can see all this stuff getting tied together. The last few verses of five, talking about Moses, talking about you know, that, what, how God brought them out. You can see why he's bringing this bread into mention to kind of tie up all these loose ends of theology and understanding to give them a picture of relationship, not religion. And so with this, what, he's like, this is the work of the Lord, to have this relationship. And then they begin to bring up manna. And manna's awesome. I mean, it was, it was a comfort-type food. It showed up daily like frost on the ground. And basically, they would collect it, and it was good enough for the day. It was a little one-day miracle, good enough for the day. And it lasted 40 years. It didn't last their life, but it lasted 40 years, and it's awesome. And we talk about Jesus being the daily bread, and we need that as well. I get that. But they're focused on the manna, and they want to know, what sign are you showing? Well, he just fed all these people on a hill. What more signs do you need? I mean, like... So stop with this. Look to me. Just me. Walk with me. Not what's in my hand. Look at my face. And he's challenging. I mean, that's how I'm looking at this. And so this manna they're talking about, 
He gave them bread from heaven to eat, which is powerful. And God did provide for them. But watch what Jesus says in verse 32. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was the Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They knew the manna stopped after a season, and they're saying, if you're the bread, or whatever this is, because they don't realize it yet, whatever this miracle, whatever this thing is that you can bring to us, give it to us always. We want this one or this thing that is the bread from heaven. And it's true, Jesus is the bread from heaven that meets the deepest needs of man. Verse 35, now we come to it, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And it's important that he says, I am the bread of life. That wasn't just uh, pronouns that he chose to use. It was an idiom that he used, an expression that tied him back to, who do I say has sent me? As he spoke, as, 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 as Moses spoke to Elohim in the bush, who do I say that sent me? And Elohim, God, the Father, he says to them, to him, tell him the I am has sent you. And so now Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Now Jesus is standing before them and he's declaring, not just I'm the bread of life, but he's declaring before you today, I am what will take care of you. I am what will sustain you, not just in the midst of a moment of a miracle that's there that's needed, but for a lifetime. Not if the miracle is answered quickly, but if the, for the, the midst of a lifetime. Not if my prayer I pray today is answered tomorrow, but no, forever. He's saying, I am. And that goes back to him telling the people, I will deliver you. I will save you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. Get your eyes on me, he's saying. And that whole story is wrapped up in Jesus. Both, both the Passover story, as they put blood on the lamppost, and the death angel, or the angel flew over, and they, he passed over them, and they didn't have to face the penalties and all that the Egyptians had a face losing the firstborn that night. The I am had delivered them. And he's saying today, I am everything that you need, not just for a minute. Manna, it was good for the moment, but Jesus, he is good all the time. Amen? A miracle is good for the moment, but Jesus, he'll sustain you for a lifetime. These people were missing it. They were so happy about a miracle, and they were missing all that it was pointing to. And so Jesus comes and tells them what it's pointing to. You don't chase me for a sign. Don't chase me for a quick fix. Chase me because I'm the bread of life, and I will sustain you all the days of your life. He's declaring that to them, using their history, bringing it all together in their minds as they think back to what bread meant to them. But their eyes were on stuff, not the provider. And as long as we are satisfied with the stuff of religion, we will miss the substance that the stuff is supposed to point us to. We've got to be careful of that, that we don't get all caught up in the trappings of religion, but we embrace and chase after the bread of life who brings us relationship daily, a staple that we need daily. And I love that bread is for everyone. John 6, 47 through 49. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever. Do you realize bread, every culture has bread? Yeah. 
The Greeks have pita, right? The French, baguettes. Yeah. I love Mexico. Last night we had burritos or whatever the little flat tortilla. Tortilla. It was wonderful. Here, I'm going to ask you guys. I want, I'm going to ask you what your favorite bread is, and then you holla back. <laughs> can you, can, so go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the Jew has holla. You know, holla. That was so funny. And for the hillbilly cornbread, you know. Dad always joked that he traded his matzah for cornbread. <laughs> but no, every group, and I just think that's so neat, because literally whoever comes, whoever believes, rich, poor, addict, whoever, same-sex attracted, whoever, you know, God will bring you into life with him, and then he'll change your life and give you the passions that the word prescribes for you to live out. We just come to him, everybody, anybody, and then he changes us for his glory, amen? He changes us so that when people see us, they see him. And so I want to challenge us today. Don't be satisfied with religion. Press into that relationship with Jesus daily. It's all about that. When it's that, and he's the bread of life, and you're partaking, you will walk in the fruit of the Spirit, you know? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I may have missed some, but you'll walk in those. You know, who, you know when somebody's hungry, like really hungry because they don't have enough sustenance in them, and they're ugly and they're mean? You know what I'm talking about? That mean, ugly, hungry person? They're hangry. You know what I'm saying? There's too many hangry Christians in the world. That's all I'm saying. Don't look around. Just look straight. <laughs> just, just look straight. <laughs> but there are. It's because they're just, it's it's because they're satisfied with these little in a pinch moments of God showing up, but it's not a daily walking with the sustenance that Jesus is, the bread of life. And when Jesus doesn't show up quick enough, because there's not that kind of relationship, then they're hangry. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Hmm. And so I don't want that, because that's religion, and religion will cause you to be hangry. Religion, it's miserable. And so verse 49, he says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. That's a, there's a promise. This is amazing, miraculous bread that's showing up from God, and they died. We don't live for those moments. We don't live for those minutes in our faith. We don't live just for the times we can celebrate, amen? We live in a way that it's daily sustenance, and you know what? I'm thankful for those moments I can celebrate. I'm thankful for the moments when the miracle comes. And guess what? Signs, wonders, and miracles come to this house all the time because of the faithfulness of Jesus. He is our Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Amen? But in those days when the miracle doesn't show up fast enough, but you've practiced daily putting your hand in the hand of God, looking in his face, and Jesus speaks into your life through his word and through his spirit, it sustains you, it holds you fast, because it's not religion waiting for moments and little miraculous events, it's relationship 
that no matter what you're going through, sustains you. And then that God that's so good, he brings miracles and those wonderful events. Yes, he does. I just don't want to be satisfied with a faith that is only satisfied with a miracle in the moment. No, no, I want to be someone, I want you all to be people who partake daily and deeply of the bread of life. Not just a God in the pinch, not just a God when you need a miracle, but a God (laughs) all the time. A God not just when it's convenient, but one that, that he walks with you, he talks with you. He tells you you are his own. That God, amen? I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. We've been living this space out for a good while now. He's so good. I have friends living this space out right now. And they're not turning because the miracle hasn't come yet. Why? Because they understand he's the sustenance. He is the one that satisfies. And like I said, that bread's comfort food, they take comfort in the fact that he is in their life no matter what is going on. So then Jesus comes and says something just radical. They were fine when this was likening back to the lechem of a Seder meal, but now he looks at them and he's telling them, he is lechem, I am the bread of life. And then he looks at them and says, not only just allow that to be passive, but those who eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, those are the ones that will inherit the kingdom. That's too much. I, I just want Jesus that gives me miracles on the hillside. I don't know if I want to partake fully of who you are. Because if I partake fully, I mean, the idea is that in that, in that there's this, this combining, it. like I'm, I'm becoming like Christ. Not that I am Christ, but I'm choosing to partake and become like Jesus and walk like Jesus and listen to his teachings. And I don't know if I want all that. And so this was too much for many of those disciples that were listening. And they said here, it's a hard saying. Who can listen to it? After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Sounds like this was people that were religious. And then those 12 were people hungry for relationship. Whatever you're saying, Jesus, I'm I'm buying into. Whatever you're saying, Jesus, I'm growing, I'm learning. And so it was a relationship with Jesus. And to me, that relationship with Jesus, that's the greatest miracle in that whole John chapter 6. Amen? It wasn't the miracle that, that just Jesus will show up in a moment, will supply a need, but it was the miracle that for a lifetime will provide the sustenance that you need. Because guess what? Other storms that are choppy, they will come in your life. Amen? Other times where you're lacking, maybe it's not bread, but it's something, those days will come, even for believers. Even, and I think I was raised in a background where if you named and claimed and blabbed and grabbed, good enough, you didn't have to have lack. But you live a bunch of years as a married man and with kids and a church full of crazy people. 
you realize pretty quick that theology doesn't always play out. Doesn't mean you don't believe and claim and name. I still do, amen? But you start to realize, you know what, God? You're still good. You're still faithful, even if the miracle doesn't come quick. Because you are the bread of life. I don't need a miracle on the hillside to keep serving you. I thank you for them. I'm going to keep believing for them. But Jesus, you are the bread of life. If you're here right now, and you're like, man, I want to, I want to walk with the Lord that way. To where my days that get difficult, yeah, I want to see God change it. But man, the strength that comes, that you're partaking from the bread of life, that's what I want right now. Every head, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you in this room today, and you're like, Ross, I'd like to begin a relationship with the bread of life. I'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus. And maybe for the first time, it may be that you have kind of either fallen away or just the priority of that walk with the Lord has just gotten off. If you would, just hold your hand up. Nobody sees it but me. Just hold your hand up. I see hands. Anybody else? I see hands. I see a bunch of hands. Yeah, yeah. Let's just pray. Say, Lord, draw me to your face, not your hand. Everybody can pray this. Lord, allow me to be drawn into relationship with you daily vibrant relationship a relationship where you put your finger on the sin in my life and I feel your loving conviction and I repent of that and I give it to you so that your power can take me past it a relationship where I strive to hear your voice and to walk after you a relationship where people see you in me And as you're seen, they can know God and find change for themselves. Lord, thank you for inviting me into a relationship with you, my bread of life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.